You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Our Take segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have another busy show planned for you this week. We'll start with a wrap of our recent six-city U.S. DIY stock investment seminar tour. We have posted the video of the event for purchase, and I will quiz Aaron on some of his major segments in this seminar. Now, we will also tell you why every Canadian needs some U.S. exposure in their portfolio, and we will touch on a broken promise from PM Justin Trudeau and finish with a Your Stock, Our Take on a stock known as Almost Family. The symbol is AFAM on the NASDAQ. It is from our coverage. They are a leading provider of home health, nursing, rehabilitation, and personal care services. The stock has surged 40% this past week on news of a merger. A listener asked whether we would buy, sell, or hold at present. Now let's dig into the show. I would again like to welcome my co-host, Keystone Senior Equity Analyst, a father of two, and a man who has been so impressed by Vancouver Canuck rookie sensation Brock Besser that he has now he is now taking bets on which nickname will stick. The flow, the brocket, or the Brock Star. Mr. Aaron Dunn? I'm going with the Brocket for sure. I like it. it Good. How are you, Ryan? It's been a while. We've we've been gone for a little while. It's, yeah, well, we it's nice we to had, be back. We had it that huge six city tour. Uh, we got uh, got into our Win- Winnebago and hit about six cities across Canada. That would be Vancouver, Langley, Kamloops, Victoria, Edmonton, and Calgary. And it was a very successful tour. The topic this time was U.S. DIY portfolios for Canadian investors: how to build them, how to structure them. Uh, it was it was a great event and uh, kept us busy for almost a month and we're back to the airwaves with our uh, podcast this week. We're happy to announce today that the entire seminar has been put to video uh, outside of the in-person Q&A sessions that we offer specifically on site, but uh, the rest of it is on video and it's available for purchase right now on the front of our website. You can click on it right there and purchase that entire U.S. seminar series. Of course, all current clients, we remind you, to any of our research services can log into their accounts and view the videos for no additional charge. So be sure to do so because there's some great content in there. And uh, Aaron, I I hope you'd agree because I know you put together a lot of that content. 
Yeah, well, I put together half of it, so <laughs> I know half of it's great. No, I've I've seen the other half too. It's it, it's all great. And what what we've done is we've Keystone's been doing this for nearly twenty years, and we've taken that knowledge and experience, and we just tried to we just broke it down into the most fundamental concepts that any individual investor can really apply to to um, improve their portfolio to help them avoid some of the risk that gets retail investors into trouble a lot. It's uh, we we've Ryan and I. We both talked about it a lot, uh, a little bit, just a little bit of the right information in in this in this business and investing can can go a long way, and that's what we wanted to focus on. Not a lot of not trying to turn people into professional analysts, but just giving providing them with the basic tools, the basic principles that they can actually go out with the next day and apply to to real world investing and and make better investment decisions. Yeah, I mean it was it's a great event and I think we had four segments to the to the seminars. I'm going to quiz Aaron on one of his sections in a moment. But I can give you a brief overview. Lesson 1 was using our winning strategy is basically about implementing an intelligent and focused strategy that helps investors figure out which investments to buy, which to sell, and what signals an opportunity and what can signal danger. Now, lesson two was about your U.S. growth stock portfolio, how to structure it. And specifically, we gave some buy recommendations in there. We gave uh, an example of a great Canadian stock. It's already performed well, but it gave us a good profile of what a great stock should look at. And then we gave three very unique U.S. stocks and, and that we've bought over the past year and why they are buys, why were they were buys then and why they're buys now. So that is a great segment uh, of this uh, of this this overall seminar. Then lesson three, I'm not going to detail that much, but it's just about because we're going to ask Aaron some questions about that in a second. It's about investing in the US for Canadian investors. Finally, lesson four, was about six quick steps that any investor can use to identify whether a stock is investment quality or pure speculation. Now, we used the proverbial hot stock tip that uh, somebody in your office, for example, may give you at any given time. Uh, this, the, Go through these six steps, and it'll give you a great idea as to whether the, the money that you'd be putting into that stock would be just monopoly or play money or whether or not the company is potentially investment grade and worth your hard-earned investment dollars. It'll take you about two to 10 minutes once you've learned these six steps to essentially qualify any stock as either pure speculation or some investment quality. Now let's talk some specifics here, Aaron. I have a few questions for you from your lesson three that you conducted at these seminar series. Are you game? I am. Good to hear. Uh, otherwise, we'd have some dead air for a while. But uh, question one, uh, 2017, it's been a great year uh, or a relatively good year for the economy in Canada generally. Our economy ranks number one in terms of growth in the G7, but our stock market is dead last right now in terms of performance. These two things don't seem to be very congruent. Can you let us know what's going on here? Is there something structural with the Canadian economy, or what are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely, and it, it doesn't really have, it's not so much as much the Canadian economy, although that's the, the economy is in many ways reflection of the stock market, but just the way that our stock market is put together, what it's composed of. So one of the things that I did, because I mean, if you think about it, that's really crazy. We have one of the, well, this year, the, the best growth in the, in the developed world. 
um, one of the strongest economies in the West, yet dead last stock market performance, below even the UK at the time, um, who they had Brexit, they have other other issues that they're supposed to be dealing with, and, and well below everybody else. Everybody else in the G7 is up double digits this year, and Canada was down in the low single digits at the time, um, which was, this was about a month ago. So the issue really just comes down to to what our stock market is made up of. And we illustrated this. We put the Canadian market side by side with the U.S. market and just showed basically what what sector-wise comprises the Canadian stock market. And over 50% of the stock market in Canada was just two sectors, financials and resource. So uh, in resource, of course, you have mining, you have oil and gas, a lot of very commodity-sensitive businesses, very, very high risk. Then if you look at the financial sector, which was about 30% of the Canadian stock market, well, about 60% of that is just our big six Canadian banks. So the big issue here is that there's just a huge amount of over-concentration, sector concentration in the Canadian market with over half of it in these two sectors. And not only is it is it that it's so concentrated in the two sectors, but when you look at a at a, a area like resource, I mean, certainly the Canadian economy is very dependent on resource, but as an investment, it's really hard to look at these things as long-term investments because they are so commodity price sensitive. They are so volatile, mining and oil and gas, and they're just, they're not really buy and hold, so they haven't been. They're more tradable investments. Uh, and then you have the financials. Like I said, most of that is just the banks, great companies, but still not, um, they don't make, they shouldn't make up an entire portfolio, obviously. So you, we have that issue. But then when we look at, okay, well, what, what other sectors do we have? Well, you know, third on the list was industrials. That's fine. But technology, which to me is, is one of the most important industries, sectors in the world today, it's, it's what's driving global growth in many ways. I mean, so many things are changing. The innovations that, that we're seeing today, uh, AI, big data, Internet of Things, all of that being driven by the sector. It's a sector of growth, yet it was right down near the bottom in the Canadian stock market, uh, second to last at about 3% of the TSX. So that is, that's just a poor situation to be in. It makes, it makes the Canadian stock market very difficult for Canadians to invest in and for international investors as well because we just don't have enough options. We just don't have enough diversity here. Uh, when you compare that to the U.S., well, technology was right up at the top of the list, about 19, 20% of the market, but just a much better diversity um, when you put those markets side by side. So that's something that, that Canada needs, and it's, but it's, unfortunately, it's not going to change anytime soon. We're, we're going to remain a, a very concentrated stock market for a long time. So if people want to get diversification, they need to really look outside of Canada, and, and the United States is, is right there. Excellent answer. I mean, I was going to ask you with my next question on comparing the Canadian stock market with the U.S., but I think you did that already. And I mean, one of the biggest reasons uh, also I was going to ask the biggest reasons why Canadians should have exposure to U.S. stocks. I think you also covered that would be the breadth and the, just the diversity of companies that we can come across in that market. You'd agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll just I'll add another point, which isn't going to come to a surprise for anybody, but the U.S. stock market is worth about $40 trillion in market value compared to the Canadian stock market, which is less than three, so well over 10 times the size. So not only, okay, there's more reason to, to look outside of Canada just for the, the sector diversity, but just more options in every sector. I mean, if you look at their technology space, it's it's 
it's just it's absolutely huge so and and there's other other industries as well yeah and and you need a properly conducted portfolio to have uh, exposure to different companies in different uh, diverse companies with you know exposure to tech and, and you know when we look at say a large cap company with tremendous growth in tech and there's some areas you just cannot find there's multiple areas you just cannot find a canadian based company so that it gives us a better better way to diversify and also just more options to look at in terms of if we believe there's a trend in this segment of the market we can you can it's you're more likely to find a company that has exposure to that in the u.s market yeah much much better breadth of opportunities yeah now when canadians are thinking about investing in the u.s the issue of currency risk is always a hot topic how should investors look at this well, the best practice for currency risk is is not to overthink it. People want to try and time the currency, and, and that's that's not going to work out well for people unless they just get lucky. I mean, professionals try and do it, and it doesn't work well for them. So what often doesn't work well for them. So retail investors are at a disadvantage there. I think that the best practice is to look at this as this is part of a long-term strategy, and the the fluctuations in the currencies, those things are going to even out over time. Another thing to, to consider as well that is is that the the United States, well, just this year, for instance, most people are aware from from watching the news that the Canadian dollar has appreciated meaningfully against the U.S. dollar. So, really, if you've invested in the United States this year, um, the currency would have worked against you. You would have generated a negative currency return. Yet the S and P five hundred is up, I believe. Um, around four times as much as the as the TSX so this year so even with the currency working against you you it would still still would have been advisable it still would have been a good strategy to look down in the US and have some exposure to the US and that's just over a one year period if you're looking long term the currency shouldn't be too much of an issue yeah and i think we had questions on that in in the seminar itself and then we pointed out a number of companies that we'd recommended uh I mean, there's companies that we have currently under coverage. One of them that we just recommended in November that, you know, the, the question becomes, should I wait till the, you know, the Canadian dollar has moved up and is there a best time to buy? And, and, you know, okay, you can have a move of say 10% even in the Canadian currency, which is a big move. But, uh, you know, we found a company in November that, you know, year to date is now up 80%. Well, you'll still take, a 10% negative currency move for an 80% overall gain. Like if, if you can find those great companies, it becomes more important to find a great company than to worry about currency effects, in our opinion. Now, can you go over the U.S. withholding tax? Sure. So one of the tax, yeah, just so one of the tax issues that people have to be concerned about is if you, if as a foreign investor, if you buy a company, a stock in the U.S. that pays a dividend, then there's going to be a 15% withholding tax applied to that dividend. So that gets taken from your dividend before you you ever touch it. Um, that's just the way that it works. Now, the if you're investing in a regular non-registered account, you are subject to that withholding tax. Um, but the the opportunities you cannot you can you can recover that tax or some of it at least against taxes that you pay on that investment um, in in Canada on that dividend in Canada. Um, if you're investing, if you're buying stock in an RSP, registered retirement savings plan, you do not have to worry about the withholding tax because the U.S. tax authorities recognize the RSP, so they will not take it. 
that's it's a non-issue in your RSP. Unfortunately, a TFSA tax-free savings account, you get the worst of both worlds because they the U.S. tax authorities do not recognize the TFSA because I believe they have no equivalent down there. So the withholding tax will be applied, but because that investment is in a tax-free account up here in Canada, there's no opportunity to recover any of the tax you pay in the U.S. Excellent. Now, I mean, you, you've touched on this and in a number of your answers that you've already given here, but how have the U.S. markets been performing recently and say over the past five years? And, and the age-old question is, and we got this so many times and I think we've addressed it and I know the answer to it, but is now a good time to buy U.S. stocks? Sure, yeah. So the, the, the U.S. market, we covered this in detail in the, at the seminar. The U.S. market has been on a, a huge run since essentially since 2009 since the financial crisis it's it's been up almost every year um exceptions were 2011 and 2015 when it was basically flat but like good solid returns every year about 12 percent on average per year um s p is up about 16 percent year to date this year so it's just continuing to hit record highs um, we took a look as well at valuation and if you look at a chart of the the valuation price to earnings multiple of the S&P 500 over the past 50 years you'd see that that the valuation multiple is quite quite high right now it was up in the in the low 30s um, when we were looking at it there and and it had hit a peak an all-time peak of about 44 during the dot-com bubble but on average over the 50-year period you're looking at an average of about 20 times so valuations quite a bit higher than average so you have you know you've had Great multi-year bull run in the U.S. stock market. You have, you know, valuations well above historical averages. And that is obviously somewhat a concern in terms of any type of near-term weakness. Absolutely. But in terms of, you know, does that make it a good or a bad time to invest? Well, there are reasons why the valuations, why the market has been doing well and why valuations are high. Um, There are a lot of great companies in the U.S. that are driving valuations up, that are producing excellent earnings growth. Uh, there, it's it's the the U.S. economy um, has been performing strong now for several years in a row. Employment, unemployment's compl- continuing to decline. Wages are are rising. So all of those things are supportive of consumer spending, which is good for for the stock market. So there there are reasons, but we would be we would absolutely be somewhat wary about where valuation levels are right now, up and up in the thirty times, and. That would just cause us to be cautious, not to avoid the markets, but just to be cautious, to be opportunistic and to be selective and to take a long term approach to to investing. So, you know, one of the things that we always say is that we do not buy the market. You know, I talked about what the S&P has done and what the valuation of the S&P is, but we're not buying the S&P 500. We're buying individual companies in the U.S. stock market and even in a even in a situation where the stock market stalls or where there's a correction or even a crash, um, you're still going to have pockets of strength in the market. And you know, yes, all all companies typically in the market, if if we come into a situation here where there's a correction or a crash, temporarily, even even great companies are going to decline in price. But those will be the first companies to recover after that decline once a little sanity gets back into into the market. And you know, really, when people talk about corrections and even crashes, they always paint that in the picture of that being a, a bad thing. But really, I think that a correction would be an excellent thing for the market right now because I think it would open up great opportunities for people who are looking to invest long term. And the best opportunities that we've had, the best times that we've recommended stocks, the best companies. I mean, I'll go back to Boyd Group, which is up 
several thousand percent over the past nine years when we recommended it right after the the crash in 2008 it those are the best times to buy so so we look at the this as an opportunity we're not worried so much about valuations um in the market overall because we're looking long term and we're focusing on individual companies individual pockets of strength but one thing that we also are saying is that you know you need to be patient when you're building up a u.s portfolio don't just jump in and invest all your capital tomorrow you know, we look, we generally advise investors to build up their actively managed portfolio over a period of six to 18 months and just gradually invest that capital. Um, that reduces the risk that you're going to invest all your money right before a, a correction happens. And it also it also gives you capital available so that you can jump on opportunities when they arise. And we, we are seeing opportunities down there. We've found some great ones over the past couple of years, and we believe that we're going to continue to find them over the next couple, regardless of what happens with the overall market. Yeah, I think that uh, you know your your great points in there about not buying the market. Uh, we buy individual stocks over a twelve to eighteen month period. We recommend you build that portfolio. You could add one stock every one to two months as these great opportunities present themselves buying quality individual stocks over quantity and uh, like you said we're not buying the s p when you see the market quoted we're not buying that we're buying individual stocks and when you buy them you spread those purchases out over time if there is a correction it'll allow you to take advantage of uh, that and perhaps we'll have more recommendations following a correction uh, but you don't want to sit there waiting for a correction because y- you would be in a situation over the past five years where you're waiting for that correction and, and not investing the entire time because there's a, been a multitude of times over that period that we've considered the market to be it's you know on the pricey end. But there's still individual stocks out there that offer value, and those are the ones that we want to buy and we want to hold them long term. Absolutely. And that is what fundamental analysis and active management active um, investment analysis is, is all about is finding not just going along with the herd, but finding individual pockets of strength, um, individual opportunities, and they're, they are always available. They're not always available in great quantities. So that's why you have to be patient and selective, but you can, you can always find them over time. Excellent. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock, our take, buy, sell, or hold. We got a question here from a listener in Halifax who talks about uh, or asks us about Almost Family Inc. A F A M on the Nasdaq, asking us simply after the merger and the surge in the company's share price, is it a buy, sell, or a hold? Now this is a company that's been in under active coverage. Uh, the punchline kind of to this, uh, our answer today will give you a reason why we're actually coming out with uh, our buy, sell, and hold on it. But I'm going to tell you what the company does. It's Almost Family. Uh, they were founded in 1976. Uh, they are a provider of home health care, nursing, rehabilitation, and personal care services. Uh, they have two operating subsidiaries, one visiting nurse, which provides skilled nursing and physical occupation and speech therapy services, primary to Medicare beneficiaries, and personal care, which provides custodial and personal care services. This is a stock we recommended originally back in July of 2015 when it was in the $36 U.S. range. It's currently trading around $64, so it's done quite well over that period. Uh, The event on November 16th, 
Almost Family and LHC Group announced a merger of equals to create leading the leading natural provider of in-home healthcare services. Now, this transaction is being called a merger, but we would view it as more of an acquisition of Almost Family. Shareholders of Almost Family will receive shares in LHC Group. A key management of LHC, including the CEO and CFO, will retain their positions in the new entity. Uh, both companies are currently trading at PE valuations or price earnings multiples of around 30 times. This multiple, we believe, will decline to about 25 times earnings with all the expected synergies achieved. When we originally recommended Almost Family, uh, the trailing valuation was significantly lower at approximately 16 times adjusted earnings. LHG Group appears to be a solid company with a solid balance sheet and good growth. Year-to-date, the company has reported 15% higher revenue, 16% higher earnings per share. Organic growth has been above 10% throughout the year, so we'll con- we are confident that the combined entity will successfully grow its share of the home care health market over time. However, uh, we have elected to issue a sell recommendation on Almost Family. This secures us you know, between 65 and 75% investment gain in a 20-month period, which is a great gain over that period of time. The financial characteristics of the combined entity appear strong, but we view the valuation as, as not as attractive as it once was. Uh, the valuation has increased significantly since our initial recommendation. This has been great for shareholders, but it increases the risk as we go forward. We also have to account for the fact that there's it's highly political nature of the healthcare sector in the U.S. with budget decisions and political commentary having significant sway over investor sentiment in this sector. So the merger for us, the announcement of this merger, has provided with a great opportunity to take profits on what has been a great investment in this company over the past 20 months. Yeah, it, it was an excellent investment. And, and this is also a good case study for people, people will ask us a lot, what goes into the decision to sell a stock. And and this is an excellent example of that. You covered it, Ryan. And and when we recommended the company, it was, it was the company was generating some success financially. It had a good profile, good growth profile, but it was trading at what we considered to be an attractive valuation of 16 times earnings relative, which was below the the market at the time. Um, And now, um, and now that valuation is, has has gone up to thirty times earnings. So there, that weighs in heavily into the decision. Right there is is when you first purchased it, you were saying that every dollar of earnings for this company was worth sixteen dollars to you, or you're willing to buy it for sixteen dollars. And now the market is now valued a dollar of earnings at thirty dollars. So it's it's you have to decide as an investor have the fundamentals changed that much to warrant. Uh, a valuation so much higher and in our case we think that the fundamentals are strong but they don't warrant for us for our research 25 to 30 times earnings excellent and that will be a wrap for this week Uh, again we'd like to uh, steer you towards the diy seminar series that we've put the video and is now available available sorry for purchase on our site just go to www.keystocks.com Again, uh, profitable investing to all investors out there. Profitable investing. Thank you.